Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ibrox Stadium was literally shaking in Glasgow when the final whistle was blown to confirm Rangers' victory over Leipzig, taking them to their first European final since 2008. Many who were there, including Leipzig manager Dominic Tedesco, described the atmosphere as something they had never experienced before. Rangers actually went bankrupt in 2012. However, the club managed to dust itself down and bounce back to the top flight after a four-year struggle. And now... They're back in the spotlight, back in a European final. In this podcast episode, we'll dive into the story of Rangers FC, their glorious return in Europe, what it was like when the club went bankrupt, and how they bounced back. I spoke with several true Rangers fans, a former employee at the club, and a Scottish football journalist to bring you this story. My name is Sam Verraalte, and welcome to the home of football. Adam Thornton has been a Rangers fan his entire life. He's part of a group of fans who produce a successful podcast about the club called Heart and Hand. I rang Adam up after the semi-finals. Here's Adam Thornton on how he experienced the semi-final versus Leipzig at Ibrox Stadium. Up until the, 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 the Leipzig uh, games, the pressure felt quite intense because you're getting to that point and you're thinking, can we go and do this? Um, but last Thursday, Ibrox was, was one of the most special nights I've ever had at the stadium and there have been lots just the way that I'm sure everyone listening has has seen the the coverage and it was just unbelievable the crowd and the players all came together as one um, and to my mind basically willed Rangers through that game through through sheer force. Jordan Campbell is a Scottish football writer for The Athletic. He was at Ibrox as well when Rangers beat Leipzig to qualify for the final. Here's Jordan Campbell on how the Ibrox atmosphere has played a crucial role in Rangers' outstanding Europa League campaign. Oh yeah, um, I mean Ibrox on um, European nights this season has been has been pretty incredible. Um, 
you know, Dortmund was an unbelievable atmosphere. Red Star was unbelievable as well. Um, Braga, I'd say that was the thing that got them over the line in Braga. Um, but all four rounds, they've really started the games quickly. Um, and I think that's because the crowd the crowd are intimidating the opposition. And it was the same against Leipzig. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard it as loud as when Rangers um, went 1-0 up. I think you saw that the Leipzig players freeze for the next 10, 15 minutes. Um, I don't think they could cope with it. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was such a powerful um, a powerful thing for the players that um, I think it really did help them get over the line. Um, so I don't know how many Rangers fans are going to travel to Seville, but <laughs> there's going to be, uh, I think, 100,000 is probably um, a safe estimate, but... Um, yeah, I think it's. Um, I think that's been a massive factor, um, and I think Geo and the players probably realised that you don't really get that. You you struggle to get that back in anywhere else, um, um, no matter where they go. So um, no, it's been a special, a special few months. Indeed, the players and manager realised the importance of the supporters for both the team and the club. Here's what Rangers manager Giovanni van Bronckers said right after their semi-final victory. The interaction with the fans today was amazing. I played so many games here uh, as a player and, well, from uh, last November as, as, a, as a manager. But the atmosphere today was was incredible. That helped us a lot. And uh, you could see the celebrations afterwards. You know, we were happy. We were uh, uh, celebrating uh, to reach the final, also in the locker room, and uh, which was really nice. But I think we ended. Uh, the atmosphere of of of, uh, of partying, and uh, we took a moment to uh, to let the uh, achievement sink in, and to uh, to have a, a really nice toast of uh, of Jimmy Kidman, who I'm sure was watching it from above, and uh, we toasted on his life and his achievements, uh, what he's done for this club, and uh, we will miss him uh, for the rest of our lives, and. Uh, Again, in Seville, we're going to prepare well and make sure we're going to create another proud moment for this club. The toast Giovanni van Bronckhorst mentions here was for Jimmy Bell, the kitman of the club who sadly passed away this season. This season has truly been a roller coaster for Rangers. And now they're back in a European final for the first time in 14 years. Back in 2008, they faced Zenit St. Petersburg in the UEFA Cup final in Manchester. An estimated 200,000 Rangers fans travelled to Manchester that day to support their team, even though only about a fifth of them had tickets that allowed them into the stadium. Andrew Dixon worked for the Rangers media department at the time, and this is how he experienced that final. It was a, a crazy day. The, the, the situation you had then was Manchester is only about a three and a half to four hour drive from Glasgow. So it was very accessible for people. And even if they didn't have a ticket, so many, many uh, Rangers fans wanted to be there and be part of it and, and take in what was going on. So they estimated that there were 200,000 Rangers fans there that day, which was a, a huge number. Um, of course, uh, the, the stadium only held about 50,000. And I think the, the feeling was there was 35 to 40,000 Rangers fans and about seven or 8,000 Zenit fans at the game. So, um, you know, 
one in what, six or seven, I guess, got into the game and, and the rest didn't and they were dotted all around the city. I remember it being a really hot day. Um, it's going to be even hotter in Seville. It's going to be 33, 34 degrees, I think, uh, when, uh, when we're in Seville. And I think even at kick-off at nine o'clock at night, it's going to be 28 degrees. So it wasn't quite as bad as that, but it was a gloriously sunny day. Um, and Rangers fans, to be honest, I think they knew they were pretty lucky to be in that final because of the the beatings that they had taken even though they, they didn't lose ultimately uh, but they, they were really dominated by Werder Bremen in Germany and also Fiorentina in Italy so I, I think Rangers fans then were really just happy to be there it was the first time in 36 years they had been to a European final since they had won the, the Cup Winners Cup back in 72 against uh, Dynamo Moscow so it was a, a real carnival atmosphere uh, the, the vast majority of people behaved and behaved well and, and enjoyed it um, and you know it was uh, it wasn't to be for Rangers then they were beaten by a better team the problem was that season Rangers played 68 matches and by that point the team was really running on empty, I think. You know, you could see that they were tired. They were still pushing for the title. And what you have now compared to back then, Rangers are again into the, the 60s in terms of how many games they've played this season. The difference this time is there's no title that they're chasing. So the, the games that are leading up to, to the game against Frankfurt, there's the opportunity for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst just to rotate players a little bit and make sure people are a bit fresher going into the finals. So... Back then, in, in 2008, it was uh, very much hope as much as anything. You know, we'd got that far and it was a case for supporters. Let's just try to get through one more game. This time, I think there's a bit more of a, a belief that Rangers can actually go there and win. Of course, you always go into a, a final thinking you have a chance. And that was certainly the case in 2008. But I think this time, it's just a little bit different. It feels different. It feels as though Rangers have come this far. They've already beaten two German teams and beaten them well there is a feeling that they can do it again against Frankfurt. All right, so Rangers fans are buzzing now, and rightfully so. To really grasp just how special it is for Rangers to be back in a European final, you have to understand how far they've come in the last decade. Rangers is a massive club. They've won 55 Scottish League titles, and their long-standing rivalry with Celtic is one of the most famous, heated, and notorious rivalries in the world of football. Glasgow Rangers have over 600 different supporters clubs in 35 different countries. But the club went bankrupt 10 years ago, in 2012, after years and years of financial mismanagement. Here's Jordan Campbell from The Athletic on how that happened. This was a slow walk, um, <laughs> a slow demise really, um, that was set, um, that was really that started off under Sir David Murray's tenure um, as chairman. Um, and it can, really be, it can really go back to the decision to um, operate the Employee Benefit Trust Scheme, EBTs, it became um, known as, which was basically a tax avoidance scheme um, where Rangers um, paid part of the wages into a trust as like an unofficial loan that was never designed to be paid back and it was a way of avoiding tax. But um, HMRC, um, the government sort of tax um, body, um you know, later came um, 2008, decided that they that this was something they wanted to challenge. So you were talking um, a tax bill of, you know, tens and tens of millions of pounds. So um, this was something Rangers had had um, had contributed to um, for, I think it was 2001 to 2008. So um, you can check the numbers somewhere, but um, 
you know, it's definitely um, it, it was definitely the thing that um, ended up it sort of created a noose around Rangers' neck because um, no one could really buy the club when they knew this sort of tax bill and all the all the um, the, the the payments on top of that for interest and delays and not paying it. Um, it made Rangers a sort of toxic brand, um, and essentially the you know David Murray had spent had had um, had been running Rangers at a loss in the 1990s, chasing the Champions League dream. Um, and as time as time went on, and and Scottish football became, um, you know, became separated from the top top leagues, that dream obviously had died. Um, and Rangers had to cut the finances um, um, in accordance with that. So um, the bank. The bank ended up taking um, taking over the running of Rangers um, for the last couple of years um, before 2012. Um, but then David Murray, because he wanted rid of the club, um, uh, sold it for a pound to Craig White, who was this sort of unknown billionaire. He was um, he was tagged. Um, he, he was given the tag of billionaire with wealth off the radar, um, but. It quickly became apparent that um, he had used the season ticket money for the next three years to actually fund his deal. So it wasn't his own money; it was the fans' money from future years that had funded um, had funded his takeover to to pay off the debt. So um, he then with, withheld tax payments, and um, then HMRC came for Rangers, and um, when they decided that they didn't want to. Um, do a deal on the on the tax, then um, there was only ever going to be one outcome for Rangers. So um, that's the thing that could that that started it all um, and created the the conditions for for Craig White to come in um, and essentially um, you know finish finish off the the job. So um, yeah, that's that's how Rangers ended up in the in the fourth division. So, after 10 years of poor financial management, Rangers went bankrupt and were demoted to the fourth tier of Scottish football. This is how diehard fan Adam Thornton experienced that painful and dark period in the club's history. It was very sad. Um, it was still a surprise. Um, I think it was Valentine's Day 2012 that it, that it happened. It was still a surprise that it had gone that far. I think when, when the club is so big, you just always assume that, that it can't happen. Um, and administration, I guess, is... Is one thing, but being demoted um, in that way was something that I guess we didn't think would would be possible. Um, it, it was sad. I remember it coming through and speaking to my friends, etc. And we we couldn't believe it. I guess at that point, you still don't think how bad it can actually get uh, in terms of of demotion and and being moved down, etc. So at that point, it, it's sad. But you just I'm an actually positive person. You just always think uh, and come back out of it. Um, like like many other clubs have have done, but yeah, the the demotion part of it certainly when that was confirmed, it was it was awful. Um, and you're having to start life in the bottom division. That's when it all started to kind of hit home. Just how how difficult it would be to to get back up quickly. Andrew Dixon worked for Rangers FC in the media department when the club was demoted. Here's Andrew on what the situation was like behind the scenes for the people who worked at the club. A new chairman had, had come in, uh, he had taken control, a guy called Craig White, and it was a strange one because I was working at the club at the time and none of us knew about business and how that worked. You know, I'm a sports journalist, that business is not my strong point. Um, it was explained to us by Craig White that 
you know, going into administration was a short-term thing and it, it was a short-term fix, you know, it would it, it would get fixed quite quickly, that's what I mean by that. Um, and, and clearly that wasn't the case and, and Rangers um, had uh, an awful lot of money outstanding to people and, uh, you know, had to go through that process. Behind the scenes, we had a staff, I don't know exactly how big it was, but maybe 250 people, I guess, Um 200 to 250 uh, the club you know to be fair to the people that, that were running the club at the time they tried to keep that staff there rather than than have a lot of people lose jobs because the thinking was this was good to be a relatively temp temporary situation for Rangers uh, they were still going to have the big crowds coming in so the money was still going to be there and, and that worked to some extent but then as the club started to move up the leagues people began to lose their jobs because there were certain areas of the club that, that just weren't quite the same there maybe wasn't the same demand for certain things and, and that was a difficult time to see colleagues moving on you know people that you had worked with for, for several years um, being told that their position wasn't required anymore and, and leaving to go elsewhere. So the staff gradually came down. I, I stayed with Rangers for two and a half years after they went into administration and I left towards the end of, of 2014. I think when I left, it was the fifth time that they were doing redundancies. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So as a result of the club's confirmed bankruptcy, Rangers were sent to the fourth tier of Scottish football, formerly known as the third division. Only six players showed up for their first preseason training session under manager Ali McCoist. All of a sudden, they were playing small clubs who were used to crowds of only a couple hundred people. But the fans kept coming to support their true love, Glasgow Rangers FC. Here's Jordan Campbell. It was quite surreal for a club the size of Rangers. You know, you think Rangers are too big to fail, but, um, you know, <laughs> that, I don't think that's true anywhere. Um, so, uh I think it was a very emotional time, obviously, you know, for, for a lot of fans, Rangers is their, their way of life. So to, to to worry about not actually being able to ever see the team again was obviously a, a horrendous summer for them. But um, I think they were just pleased to eventually have some clarity as to what division they would be playing in. So, um, yeah, what, yeah, as you said, when, when Ali McCoy's the manager, came back that pre-season um, you know they'd lost basically all their they'd probably lost a, a squad of like 40-50 million pounds in value um, for nothing essentially because they were able to leave when their contract finished so um, the yeah there was there was literally not much of a, 
a squad there at all, um, and it was mostly youth players um, who, who, in honesty, never, most of them were never going to be good enough to play for Rangers. It was only because um, of the situation they found themselves in that they had to, um, they had to, uh, had to be played. So, because Rangers were under a transfer embargo as well at the start of that season. So, um, but I think you know the fans quite enjoyed the novelty. Um, of travelling to all these small away venues and you know taking over towns in Scotland and being welcomed as because I mean two visits a season to these grounds was enough to you know that was a massive thing for these small clubs um, to make that amount of money so um, I think that was refreshing but <laughs> quickly pretty quickly I think the 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 level of football Rangers were playing. Um, you know, I think it took them three months to win away from home in the fourth division. You know, it was um, it was a really difficult time, and there was really not much hope or excitement um, in that first season. But um, you know, Alibekois went and signed a lot of players from the top division who obviously jumped at the chance to earn, earn um, good money at Rangers because. Again, there was 45,000 season ticket holders, so, um, you know, the, the, the support didn't diminish. If anything, I think it grew stronger, really. Here's Adam Thornton on how he experienced life in the bottom leagues as a Rangers fan. We only had two or three players um, that started the pre-season that year in, in the bottom league. Um it was, it was an experience, um, quite quite traumatic, going, going through all of that while you're um, still trying to rebuild and come back up up the leagues um, it was going to small places that I'm sure you've not heard of such as, as Brechin and, and Peterhead and, and taking hundreds and thousands of fans to stadiums that are only used to having 200 300 uh, fans there was was enjoyable to, to begin with I guess because it was something new and it was something different but very quickly it just became about how, how quickly can we get back up to, to the top and how quickly can we get back up to to the Premier League, which we did in, in four years. Rangers FC won back-to-back promotions under Ali McCoyce in 2013 and 2014. It took him two years to move up from the Championship to the Premiership in 2016, but the club had not reached its final goal yet. Rangers FC needed to reclaim the title to stop arch-rival Celtic, who were on a roll while the Rangers were in the country's lower divisions. But Rangers FC struggled to get back on top. In the summer of 2018, Steven Gerrard was assigned as the club's new manager. The Liverpool legend transformed the club within a couple of years. That culminated last season, when Rangers FC went unbeaten for the entire season, before finally reclaiming the Scottish title. Adam Thornton wrote a book on the way Steven Gerrard transformed Rangers. Here's Adam on the impact Gerrard had on the club. When he joined in summer 2018, um, he didn't have very many players left. We, we hadn't done very well um, in the years before. I think we'd finished third um, two years in a row uh, under um, previous managers, Mark Warburton and Pedro Cachinha and Graham Murty. So we were basically the, the third team, if you like. Aberdeen were finishing second in the league. Um, Steven Gerrard came in and... To my mind, revolutionised the whole club. He, he brought a, a gravitas uh, and a personality to the club that we hadn't had since since Walter Smith. Um, and he, along with Michael Beale and the rest of his coaching staff, he set about implementing a, a tactical philosophy that um, we reaped the rewards of. It was an incremental thing. We didn't have the success that we would want in season one and season two. We had some European success, maybe not compared to what we have 
or we're on the cusp of right now, but we had some some European success that acted as a kind of benchmark for for the future, um, and you could see how things were building. And then yes, the third year uh, under under Gerard, which was season twenty twenty one, um, we romped the league. We went unbeaten, got over a hundred points, broke every record you could think of. The most the least goals conceded in the league, thirteen goals, which is a new a new British record. Um, that was the high point for me, or it was the high point I should say. Um, and that was the kind of culmination of Stephen Gerrard's tactical approach. When you have to build a club. Again, from scratch, I guess, because we can't underestimate just how much the, the previous owners had ripped out of the club. Um, 2015, 2016, there was a lot of rebuilding that had to be done after the damage of, of the three years before. Um, and that was on the way. But I think Gerard coming in just gave the project that kind of gravitas. The work that he did in Europe to earn financial rewards as well can't be overstated because that really helped us invest in the squad and invest in all those kind of playing facilities etc as well so yeah to my mind he brought a different standard to the club both on the the management side but also behind the scenes um and he played a a huge part in in helping everyone at the club because it is a team game helping everyone start to raise those standards back up to the levels that that we were at before adam's book on gerard's impact at rangers will be available august 1st Steven Gerrard left Rangers in November this season to become the manager of Aston Villa. He was replaced by Giovanni van Bronckhorst. The Dutchman struggled a bit at the start. Rangers were on top of the league when Gerrard left, but have lost the title to arch-rival Celtic since. However, van Bronckhorst has done an incredible job the last couple of months, especially in Europe. Rangers went on to beat the likes of Borussia Dortmund, Red Star Belgrade, Braga and RB Leipzig in the knockout stages of the Europa League. Here's Jordan Campbell on the impact Giovanni van Bronckhorst has had so far. If Rangers won the Europa League, I don't think any Rangers fan is really going <laughs> to worry about the fact that they lost the league one year because the Europa League is, you know, that doesn't come around very often. So um, it's been an unbelievable job he's done to, to guide them through four, um, four knockout rounds because I think everyone expected Borussia Dortmund was going to be the end of end of the line. Um but I think that 4-2 win in Dortmund in the first leg has really given them a lot of belief that they can go toe-to-toe with these teams because, you know, Gerrard's, Gerrard's football was all about um, a solid base and, you know, it was a, it was a really well-organised team who were difficult to break down and very rarely lost in Europe. Um, he found that consistency, which Rangers have struggled for, for decades in Europe with. Um, but he, he found that. But Gio... Has um, he's not just he's not he's not a can he doesn't contain that's not that's not a way he's now approaching these games. I think after the three 0 defeat to Celtic in February, I think that was the moment maybe things clicked for him. Um, because since then, um, Rangers have been a lot more aggressive. They've been a lot. They're now a pressing team in Europe. Um, who take the game to the opposition. Um, so I think that's been refreshing for the fans to to realise and probably the players too that. They can actually go and and compete against these teams. It's not a case of, you know, giving up possession and giving up territory. Um, so I think every single round they've grown in belief, um, and it's taken them to to Sevilla. Well, you know, I think I think they now go in where the fans are genuinely believing that they're going to win. Um, this is not like two thousand and eight where Rangers played like really defensive football and. You know, it was nil nil, one nil, nil nil penalties. That was how they scraped by. This is, you know, four two, two two, three nil, 
2-1, um, 3-1, and then the last round was obviously against Leipzig where um, they, they overturned a 1-0 deficit again. So key to that has been Ibrooks um, and the atmosphere at Ibrooks. You know, I'd say last week's le- second leg against Leipzig is um, is one of the best atmospheres at Ibrooks has seen in the last 50 years. Um, arguably the best night it's seen in 50 years since they beat Bayern Munich to um, get into the 1972 Cup Winners' Cup final. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's really he's really um, caught the imagination of the fans. Um, and I think they now genuinely believe that he is the right man after a, after a, a couple of months at the start of the se- start of the year where he was under a lot of pressure because um, because of the results in the league. Um, but I think this European run has has really reaffirmed belief that um, that he is a capable manager tactically um, and that he's flexible enough to to um, get the results in Europe that people probably never imagined was possible. Adam Thornton will travel to Seville to support his team in the final. He'll actually be in Spain by the time this episode goes online. There's nothing quite like a European final for a football fan. Here's Adam on what the final means to him. Now that we're there, um, the the feeling is still on such a high of getting there one week one week on. Um, but now we're starting to turn our attention. There are so many, as you can imagine, probably over 50,000, maybe closer to 100,000 fans that seem to be planning to travel to Seville. Um, I'm not sure how many will actually make it there, but but certainly everyone I know uh, is at least trying to get there. Um, and hopefully it's going to be such a, a big party atmosphere that we can make up for, for 2008 because I think when Rangers went to the final in 2008, it was a very, very different team. It was more of a kind of defensive team who would be very solid and, and try and get a get a goal on the break. Um, this team is completely different. This team have have beaten every team in the knockout rounds by two goals on aggregate. So we we deserve to get there. We feel that we can go and win. Um, there's probably an argument that that Frankfurt aren't at quite the level of teams that we've beaten already in the knockout stages albeit they have put out some big teams them, themselves uh, on this run as well. So it feels like quite an evenly matched final um, in that sense. They also have a big travelling support as well. So that all just kind of adds to the excitement because I don't think we're going in here as a Rangers against Barcelona type thing. Um, it feels like we're going here for a big showpiece final and it's going to be a, a one-off game that both teams are going to go for, um, which I think adds to the anticipation. In, in Manchester in 2008, I'm not sure other than the extra positive people, I'm not quite sure many thought that we would go there and, and be favourites to win or, or get the win. It was more going there to enjoy the journey and enjoy the experience, but this time it feels a little bit different, which which just adds to the excitement. Managed to get a ticket as well um, for, for the game. Me and my dad are going, so um, the tickets have been very, very difficult to, to come by, but we managed to get one. Um, each, which is which is fantastic. It just uh, adds to the occasion. I'd be going anyway without a ticket, as many of my friends are are going to try and watch it um, in, in Seville. But having a ticket for it hopefully will make it even more of a special thing. Here's Andrew Dixon on what this final means to him. You know, I think we look at it now. We're we're ten years on from Rangers going into administration. The feeling at that point was it might take Rangers ten years to win the league again. Now it took nine which was slightly ahead of of what was maybe anticipated. But I think if you were to say to people in 2012, in 10 years' time, you're not only going to have won a league, but you're going to be in a European final again. 
that idea was absolutely preposterous. It was ridiculous. It was unimaginable, and nobody would ever have believed you. So Rangers, um, you know, I mean, they've they've still to win a Scottish Cup, for instance, and they'll play in the Scottish Cup final against Hearts um, soon. And they're going for that trophy for the first time in 13 years. They've not won the League Cup for 11 years. So there are still things for Rangers to achieve again, stuff that they were used to doing quite regularly before. But I think it's probably safe to say, with Rangers being in a European final, they're ahead of where most people thought they were going to be. They might only have won one title last season and they haven't been able to defend the the league title. But to be in a European final is just beyond everybody's wildest dreams. To wrap things up, here's Giovanni van Bronckhorst on the upcoming final and what he's expecting from the very loyal Rangers fanbase. We have to give the best performance we uh, we can and, and be the strongest team we can be on the night. And then, you know, eventually it will, it will come to you. And uh, so it starts with belief. So do we believe we can win the final? Of course we can win the final. But we respect the team. We're going to prepare well and make sure we are well prepared for the for the game we play against Frankfurt. You know, everywhere we go, uh, we have very loyal supporters. You know, even in Leipzig, there were many in Dortmund. So I don't think it doesn't matter how many hours they have to fly or to walk or go with the bikes. I don't know, maybe swim. Some will swim, but uh, you know, I think we are well uh, presented in the in the stadium, but also in the city of Seville and. Uh, they have to enjoy it as well. We have great support everywhere. They always, uh, you know, uh, behave really well. I think that's very important for the club. You know, we have we want the image in the in Europe that we uh, we can behave ourselves. I think they they do that in in every city we go. And of course, you know, we we're gonna try everything to to win the final. Whatever happens in the final, Rangers fans can be proud of their club. I wish all the Rangers fans the best of luck in the final. And I want to thank Jordan Campbell, Adam Thornton and Andrew Dixon for their interviews. Subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, please give our podcast a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That actually helps us a lot. Alright, my name is Sam Verraten. Thank you for listening and on to the next story in the home of football. Hi guys, Frankie here. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. Hi, I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Gibraltar. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Adi Barak Infirma, a.k.a. Mr. Beastmore. And I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.